Our text today is in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 6, as we continue our studies through the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 6. For our text, as we study the life of Christ leading us up to the Easter season. My mother was a very good disciplinarian. She never yelled at me. But she had a stern tone of voice that she used, which clearly came across that she meant business. I remember when I was about seven years old, I kept losing my dress shoes. So when it was time to go to church, I couldn't find my shoes. Well, then came a day when Mom said, from this day on, you will be responsible for knowing where your shoes are, and I will no longer look for your shoes. So you need to remember that. Well, I didn't remember that. (laughs) And it was time to go to church. I think it was a Wednesday night service, and of course, I couldn't find my shoes, so I told Mom, I can't find my shoes. She said, we're leaving in five minutes, and I guess you can't go with us if you don't have any shoes. So I looked around, couldn't find my shoes, and five minutes later, they got in the car and left without me. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but I found my shoes, and I never lost them again. Mom got her point across, that's for sure. But the most memorable time that mom used her stern voice, I was about eight or nine years old, and I said to mom, I'm kind of sick of going to church. Do we always have to go to every single service? Without any hesitation, mom said, this family will be in church whenever the doors are open, and you will be there with us. And every time the doors are open... I don't like your attitude, so don't ever say that again. And then a little phrase she tacked on the end of her statement, and a word to the wise is sufficient. And the tone of voice was very, very stern. (laughs) I never said anything like that again. And Mom, early in life, had established the rule, God's rule, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And later in life, I stopped going to church for a little while, but not for long. A guilty conscience drove me quickly back to church. Thank you, Mom. A word to the wise is sufficient. Now, we've been studying the life of Jesus in the book of Luke. And one of the things we have seen and learned about Jesus is that he never missed church. When his family lost track of him at 12 years old, they found him in the temple. In Nazareth, where he grew up, he attended synagogue so often with such a passion that he became the regular reader of the scriptures before he ever preached a sermon there. And when he began his public ministry at 30 years of age, he went from synagogue to synagogue preaching his way across Galilee, even down into Judea. And Jesus went to each service with pleasure. He loved to sing and worship and give thanks to God. He did it with pleasure and with a cheerful heart. And when he started to preach in those synagogues, 
He did it with an enthusiasm that was unmatched by any other preacher. The word that best describes Jesus' attitude and mannerism in the service would be refreshing. And in our text today, we see Jesus. He's on the way to church. Going along with him were his new disciples that he had just called. I can imagine them talking and laughing as they walked along, looking forward to the service, excited to hear what Jesus would preach on this particular day. And now let's see what happened on the way to church with Jesus and his new disciples. Luke chapter 6 and verse 1. Came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in her hand. As is typical of Luke, he puts a lot of information into one verse. He calls it the second Sabbath after the first, which seems to indicate that it was just after Passover. And Passover was a national holiday which we could compare to our Christmas. The favorite of all the holidays, celebration of Passover was not a day, it was a season. Prepared for with anticipation, celebrated with family gather around, a happy time of year. And one of its pleasures was also the beginning of the first harvest. And the first wheat crop of the year would be ready for harvest just at Passover. And as a way of celebrating God's goodness during Passover, the first sheath of wheat was cut out in the field in a very special ceremony and given to God. And so it was also like our thanksgiving. It's a season of joy. It's time to be thankful. The second Sabbath in the season. And as would be the case, the wheat is golden brown, ready for harvest, and it's a festive time of year. But what we see happening is a story in itself. Disciples are living a new lifestyle with Jesus. You will recall last week, we saw Jesus and his disciples in the boat with a huge catch of fish. And when that memorable morning was over, it says they left all and followed Jesus. And now it's hitting home. Their choice to follow Jesus has consequences. They're eating breakfast as they pass through a field of wheat by plucking off a head of wheat, rubbing it in their hands, blow the chaff off, and then eat the raw kernels of wheat. Not exactly what I'd call a breakfast of champions. Before they left all and followed Jesus, I'm sure their breakfast was a delicious lake trout. The best catch of the night. Cooked over an open fire with some bread. They ate well before they left all to follow Jesus. But on this Sabbath morning, it's a handful of wheat kernels for breakfast. Are they sad and wishing for some lake trout? No, no. 
Not one bit. They're spending their days with Jesus. And it's so exciting that who cares what we eat for breakfast? Being with Jesus is what makes it a wonderful day and a wonderful life. And we're happy to eat wheat kernels if it means we can spend this Sabbath morning going to church with Jesus. And as they're walking along past the wheat field, they're talking and laughing, enjoying the holiday season. It's the harvest time. It's Sabbath day. We're going to the service with Jesus. And life is full of pleasures when you spend your days with Jesus. But there are some people walking along the same path. And let's see who they are. Verse 2. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? When Jesus began his public ministry, he was a newcomer. And when he started preaching, he was an immediate success. And news of his preaching and his healings spread like wildfire. And it created a new set of circumstances. If you look back to chapter 5, Verse 17, it tells us what the circumstances were. Came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. The rabbis who claimed to be the religious leaders of that day heard about this new preacher who was gathering crowds of hundreds of people, and they came from all over to check him out, especially because he wasn't one of them. He wasn't educated like a scribe. He wasn't a strict Pharisee. He was a Galilean carpenter. And so they came to critique him, or more precisely, to try to find a reason to discredit him and on this particular Sabbath morning, we see a very distinct contrast. Walking down the same road, Jesus and his disciples talking, laughing, happy on their way, eating a handful of grain. And then another group of people walking close by, a group of Pharisees, also on their way to church. I want to describe something. Years ago, we had a fellow here who came to this church, and he was a real character. And old Bill used to have a comment that he made that used to get me laughing. If you said to old Bill, Bill, have a good day, Bill would sigh a little, and then he'd say, well... I got other plans. <laughs> this group on this Sabbath morning have got other plans. They got long faces, critical eyes, and they mope along down the road. They're off to synagogue, and it's very serious business. And suddenly they see Jesus' disciples plucking a head of wheat and rubbing it in their hands, and they are shocked. 
by this indecent behavior. And they say to Jesus, you're doing something illegal. Don't you know it's a Sabbath day? You can't pluck the wheat and rub it in your hands. It's against the law. Now, my friends, before we continue, we need to get this thing straight. In Jewish society, it was not illegal to eat another man's harvest. If you were starving and had nothing to eat, and you were passing by another man's fig tree or grapevine or wheat field, you were allowed to pick and eat and satisfy your hunger. And if you had a whole harvest and the passers-by were hungry, they could help themselves, and it was not considered to be stealing, it was considered to be a kindness extended to the poor. So Jesus' disciples are not doing something illegal when they pick another man's wheat. What the Pharisees are talking about is something else altogether. Jesus' disciples are breaking Sabbath law. And when they pluck a head of wheat, the Pharisee says, that's harvesting. When they rub it in their hands, that's threshing. The law is no working on the Sabbath. Now, harvesting a wheat field would be to take a sickle and swing it and cut the wheat down and tie it into bundles and take it to a threshing floor. It's hard work. And then threshing would be to stomp on the grain somehow, you or an animal, and take a pitchfork and throw it up in the air, and the wind blows away the chaff, and that's hard work too. Breaking off a head of wheat is hardly harvesting. And rubbing it in your hands is hardly thrashing. But the scribes and the Pharisees made rules, Sabbath rules, rules to restrict your behavior on the Sabbath. For example, if you had a false tooth, you couldn't wear it on the Sabbath because it was work to put it in your mouth. A lady could not wear a ribbon unless she actually sewed it to her clothes because wearing a ribbon was carrying a burden on the Sabbath. You couldn't write down two letters of the alphabet. You could write one letter, and that was okay. If you write two letters, you're writing a word, and that's work, and they don't allow that on the Sabbath. And if you're sick, you're not allowed to call a doctor. That's work. If you had a backache, you were not allowed to apply liniment. No activity that could be defined as work was to be done on the Sabbath. Now, most certainly, plucking a head of wheat in their mind was harvesting and illegal on the Sabbath day and rubbing it in your hands. Most certainly, that's thrashing. So, Jesus, why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath law and eating that grain. Talk about pouring cold water on your party, huh? 
These Pharisees have got everybody afraid to lift a finger for fear of breaking a Sabbath law. And they have made the Sabbath day a burden. Certainly nothing to be enjoyed. But Jesus will give them a good challenge. Verse 3. And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this? <laughs> Have you never read the Bible? Jesus says to them. <laughs> I like the way he puts it. Of course, these Pharisees claim to be experts in the Bible and reading it and interpreting it. Matter of fact, they said, we're the only ones that know how. Verse 3, and Jesus answering them said, Have you not so much as read this? Uh, David did when he himself was hungered, and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave it also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. David, he says, when he was running from King Saul, went to the temple one day with a group of men, and they were starving for food. And they ate the 12 loaves of showbread. Now the priest baked those 12 loaves every day, placed it on the table in the temple. And the priest baked it every day. They ate the ones that they took off for themselves and put the fresh ones back on the table. And only priests were allowed to eat that bread. But David and his men were starving. And so they ate the bread. So the point Jesus makes is meeting human need is more important than following all the rules. Better to feed hungry stomach than to leave the bread on a table. And then Jesus makes the most amazing statement. Verse 5, he says unto them, that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. Whenever he's speaking about himself, calls himself the Son of Man. And he says to them, me, Son of Man, that's me, he says, I'm in charge of the Sabbath. <laughs> they thought they were. He said, I'm in charge of the Sabbath and Jesus intended to feed hungry souls on the Sabbath. After all, remember, my friends, it was Jesus who on Mount Sinai wrote with his finger on a piece of stone, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And he gave that stone to Moses. Jesus did that. And here he tells the Pharisees, I'm still in charge of the Sabbath. And I won't argue with your childish claim that plucking wheat is harvesting and rubbing it is threshing. But I will point out that God will care for the hungry on the Sabbath day. And King David and the showbread is the example of how the mercy of God is more important than keeping all the rules. Well, he sure beat them that time. But did they learn anything? Verse 6. It came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. 
And there was a man whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Another Sabbath day has come. Jesus has come to the synagogue to worship, to pray, and to praise God, and to bring refreshing in the service. The scribes and Pharisees have come to criticize and to trap Jesus. As Jesus looks out across the congregation, he sees a man that captures his attention. He must have been looking sharp, watching closely. Some people would have looked across that same congregation and they would have said, hey, why, look, we have visiting dignitaries today. Doctors of the law have come to our Sabbath day. Scribes who are the important visitors to our service here today. But not Jesus. He comes to bring refreshing and to feed hungry souls. And in any congregation, even this one right here in East Shelby, Jesus looks for the hungry hearts, the depressed souls, and the burdened who carry one of life's heavy loads, and the withered hand that can't grasp the work that needs doing. And as Jesus always does, he sees into the heart of every congregation looking for a place to bring refreshing. And on that Sabbath, so long ago, he saw a man with a withered hand. Some injury has crushed the tendons and nerves of the man's hand. Tradition says he was a mason, a stone cutter, And the injury has left his hand unable to move. And so it's atrophied and it's withered and it's shrunk until it hung useless on the end of his arm. Unable to work, the man is burdened, he's helpless, trapped in a hopeless situation, his hand is dead. So remember, Jesus was a preacher who could read your mind. In verse 8, but he knew their thoughts. He said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. So in the congregation, there's a group of people who only intend to make trouble and criticize. And then there's a man with a withered hand. He's got a great need. Who do you serve? The critics or the man with the crisis? Jesus intends to meet the need of the man with a withered hand and ignore the critics, right? No, not right. Get it right, verse 9. Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life 
or to destroy it. He says to the scribes and Pharisees who only came there to criticize him, he says to them, I give you a choice. And it says he looked across the rows where they were sitting. And he looked at each one. He says, I give you a choice. Will you do good or evil? It's your choice. Will you save life or kill a man? You have a choice. Verse 10, looking around about him on them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Jesus looked his critics right in the eye. He said, well, what do you say? Good or evil? He's He's got them again. Jesus' point was, will you not understand what God intended this Sabbath day to be? It's a day of mercy, a day of grace, a day of help, a day of refreshing. Do you understand, good or evil? And they sat there in silence, not responding to Jesus' plea, ignoring the obvious refusing to give in to Jesus' clear words. Oh, what a happy day it could have been for everybody, a day of mercy and kindness and love, if they'd only changed their mind. Jesus has offered you a choice, but they reject his offer. But not so the man with a withered hand Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. He can't. The hand is dead. But suddenly, muscles, nerves, tendons. (laughs) It's amazing. I can picture him smiling as he holds the hand up. Laughing. His hopelessness was cured instantly. Instantly. Hopelessness was gone. No longer helpless. With two hands, he's able to go to work and support his family and grab his children by the hand and lift his hand and heart up to God and talk about refreshing. Why, it's a joy that'll never fade that he got from Jesus that day. I'll bet he was glad he went to church that day. My friends, this same Jesus who went to church that day comes to our service too. He's got an eye for those who are hungry and helpless and depressed and hopeless. And his greatest desire is to bring refreshing to you on this day. He is ready, are you? It's a choice, your choice. And that day, a large part of the congregation made a bad choice. Verse 11, and they, that's the Pharisees, were filled with madness and communed with one another what they might do to Jesus And so it began, the idea that we must do away with this Jesus of Nazareth. And they were plotting 
to murder him. So they certainly missed the point of the service, didn't they? And I'm sure they weren't wearing their false teeth. I'm sure they had no ribbons around them. I'm sure they didn't rub their sore backs. Nobody called a doctor. But what a shame when the great physician was so available and so willing. As old Bill used to say, they had other plans. So we gather here today to listen to Jesus and to hear his voice, to feel his presence and to be refreshed. And may you find all that he has for you today. Unless, of course, you've got other plans. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what Jesus does and how he shows us the right way, so plain and clear, and that we can come here for refreshing. We can gather in one day a week and get strength and hope and help so readily available. So we ask that you would make our plan be here and to take hold of what's offered and to have the best that Jesus has to offer. Thank you for showing us why we come here on this day. Bless us as we do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, page number 489, standing as we sing, 489, safely through another week. Standing as we sing, 489, safely through another week. Page 489.
that you would come to our hearts this day. Take away the deadness of our souls. Take away the distractions that pull us from you. May we come to this place, not just because we said we should, but because we are looking and we are hungering for God. That we long for your touch in our lives, for you to reach down and pull us out of where we are, the place that we have so put ourselves away from you. We ask, Lord, for help, for forgiveness, for grace to begin this day and for glory and victory and power to end it. We just ask because we know that can only happen through you. And so we ask that we would look for the Son of Man because we know it is your day. May you speak in our lives and may you do things in our lives on this day. Continue to touch us, change us, help us to be who you want us to be in the way that only you can do it. We thank you for all these things and we ask for the care of all these folks as they go from this place. Protect them and be with them, heal them, watch over them, bring them back ready to hear more of you. Till we are called home to our everlasting feast. We thank you for all of these things in your name.